We're shaking cats and kittens. This is Rob Lee from Mastermind Team's Robcast. I am the Rob in Robcast, the Silver Linings Playboy, the American Wave, the Midnight Snack Rob Lee. Get it straight. For all of you guys out there listening, we do a podcast. Me and my uh, silent partner here. Yep, Torn, you know. Uh-huh. Probably the cool one out of the group, but you know. I, I don't know. Is. I don't know if that's accurate. I have to be. Say, say more about this. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It's just like, get yourself over as the cool guy. I'm the cool guy. Look, Listen to my voice. That's it. You're as cool. Mm. Dis- you're, you're Kawhi don't, Leonard. You're the Kawhi Leonard of this oh, podcast. Oh, shit. I'm a fun guy. I'm a cool guy. <laughs> so listen to us every week. We cover weird news, pop culture, entertainment. The cool guy, Torn, don't call me Tron, Tron, and me, Rob Lee, the King Snake, uh, the Thoughts of Doom, the man with... 101 aliases and we're on every week on mtr podcast and that is mtrthenetwork.com that is on apple spotify everywhere podcasts are found those gonna be mtr podcasts look for us on youtube and check us out on the instagram account and facebook both at mtr podcast check us out every tuesday new episodes are dropping subscribe today we're shaking cats and kittens i'm rob lee from getting to the truth in this art And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever-changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin and I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Sinan Hamden neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to Getting to the Truth in This Art. My next guest is one half of the founding duo of Stoop Storytelling, which is a popular Baltimore-based live show and podcast featuring ordinary people telling extraordinary true stories about their lives. We have Jessica Hankin. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really uh, honored to be here. That was the most words that I had to say for an intro, but I wanted to get it right. <laughs> oh, you got it right. You nailed it. Yep. That's us. Scoop Storytelling um, live show podcast, Baltimore based. That's it. That's all anyone needs to hear. Well, that's, that's great to hear. And, and thanks again for coming on. So giving that, that 10,000 foot, it might be lower. It might be lower. I don't know. Maybe, maybe 5,000 foot view, but could you kind of go a little bit more in depth in what the, I guess the mission of Stoop Storytelling is. And I feel like it's an old tradition of like people really getting there and speaking, speaking their truth, speaking their life. But could you get into a little bit more in depth into what the thinking is behind the series? Yeah. Well, we uh, feel very strongly that um, true personal stories are the way that um, you connect with humanity um, on individual and community level. And we have um, been doing this since 2006, um, where we literally, we haven't changed up much at all. We just have a person that we've asked to stand on a stage in front of a microphone, tell their true personal stories uh, for about seven minutes. And we give them the gift of a listening and attentive and mostly empathetic audience. There have been a few exceptions over the years, but it's been um, 
such a powerful thing every single time, uh, such a powerful thing, especially when um, folks that we've asked to tell their story uh, take the true leap of not memorizing it, not writing it down, not, you know, making it um, performatively perfect. Um, we value what we think is a very Baltimore thing, which is to be um, very honest and yeah. scrappy and, you know, crafted, but casually. So um, yeah, that's been our, and our mission is that, especially after the last four years, um, that the way that people can, um, can connect and, and truly see the good in others is through being vulnerable and, and sharing what's true and personal about you. I think that, I think that's, that's, that's powerful and that's important. And I think oftentimes we have, um, I think, really after that, that last four years, you're kind of right where I think mental health is a thing there. And I think it's really powerful to be able to be in a position where you're able to not send the representative and not do what you're told to do or say what you're supposed to say, just keep it like, keep it real, keep it a hundred and just put it out there, that real story. And that's something that's very uh, prominent in Baltimore. I had this, um, this running bit about I don't know if anyone's going to be super famous from Baltimore because because we're Baltimoreans and that we don't really do the fake stuff. You have to be a certain degree of fake to excel at Hollywood. And I was like, ah, we'll get halfway there. But it's just like, man, this is BS. <laughs> I just don't know what's going to happen. Well, yeah, if you see who is famous from from Baltimore, that definitely plays out that they, um, yeah, John Waters, uh, Tupac, like they're, they're not going to, uh, yeah, getting, well, Tupac's currently not going to be able to be invited to many um, Hollywood parties because he's not with us. But, uh, well, he might, depending on who you talk to, the conspiracy theories. There might be some people that believe that he is actually still alive. Also, it depends on if the, the party is a hologram party or not. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> so speak more on the importance of um, diversity and authenticity in storytelling. That's what I was trying to backhandedly get to. Um because I, 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 I like the, the thing that you said about not having something that's crafted, like something that's just, oh, well, you know, in polite company, you know, like, yeah. uh, why is it important to have a diverse way of, do of doing it and diverse like cast of people that are, are, are being part of, of, of that conversation? Well, so there's two. Yeah. Thank you for that question. There are two aspects to that. Right. So there is the diversity, which I'm going to get to, but the authenticity I think is, is that has always been our mission is like, like I said, we want anyone who stands up there to feel like it is a okay to be your authentic self and that people are going to have your back. That is, that's the thing that we can give um, anyone who has agreed to tell the story. Um, our audience has been just an incredibly kind, wonderful audience throughout the years. It's never deviated from that. The diversity, when we first started, we are two white ladies. And we started this in 2006 when in a time, and I wouldn't, I would say Baltimore is getting better, but it's got a long way to go still, sure. where the art scene was really very segregated. Mm -hmm. And so we, we knew that we wanted to get people with diverse backgrounds up on stage 
And at that time, that was just like a broad, like, you know, they might be, um, a person who is gay. It might be a person who's of color. It might be a person who is Jewish. Like we just didn't have any intentionality around it. We just knew, um, you know, on some broad level, like, Oh, that's important. It wasn't until 2009 that we did explicitly a show about race and Elijah Cummings, um, told this amazing story um, that I think we really started to realize like, Oh shit, we're, we have, we've got to do better. Like we got to figure this out. And, um, and so it's been like a humble fucking journey. Like we we're still figuring it out because it's, we don't want to, um, we don't want to be exploitative. Um, and we, uh, but we also really, and we don't want to be, um, like it, you know, make anyone feel awkward, like that we're, we're, you know, we're specifically asking a storyteller because they're of color. That's not why, but it's, it's been really, really like an incredibly educational experience for us as producers, as white women producers in Baltimore to learn how to navigate this and how we are constantly learning how to do it better. I dig it. I think it's it's one of the things that like we, before we started into the actual conversation, I was describing how I've been doing this for as long as I have, but everything has been like internal. It's been me and my circle of friends just being chuckleheads and, and jackasses. And w- once it's gotten broader and bringing in different people, there are certain risks that come in and there are not necessarily only risk, but also there's opportunities too. So you know, I try not to do those cloudy, hey, it's, you know, Women's History Month does only have women or it's uh, Black History Month. It's like th- there's some intention around it, but I'm not going to like really put it out there. It should speak for for what I'm attempting to do. And it's just like it, it's being done to it's being done to show who we have here, the diversity that we have here without it being kind of exploitative as you were, were getting that. And and that's, and that's the focus around it. And I try to have the conversations very similarly and not make them feel weird. It's like some people you might vibe with in one way and other people you might vibe with in a different way, but I just try to just keep it as the same conversation. I try to be as much as me as I can be. And I think that that makes for a really interesting and open and almost normalized like conversation instead of, ah, let me speak with a little extra reverence or, or what have you. Um, I, I got nervous one time. I, I will share this. I got nervous um, when I interviewed um, Rebecca Hoffberger. I put on a tie oh. <laughs> and she was like, are you wearing a tie? I was like, I am. <laughs> and I had like a dress shirt on. I was like, all right, screw this tie. Because <laughs> she called it. I was just like, all right, then. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah. Um, I, a tie is not what I think of when I think of the uh, Visionary Art Museum, but um, that's awesome. I love that you did that. I mean, you hear founder, and then we, we talked about thongs <laughs> at one point in the podcast. I'm sure you did. I'm sure so you it, quickly it became, were like, <laughs> let me use this tie as a thong, a la very visionary. Well, art I mean, you know, she was just like, let's do an exhibit, like just, you know, carrying on Cisco's um, th- theme and his message. I was like, wow, the reference from 20 years ago. This is great. Hey, that's another Baltimore native. Yes. Well, actually, I think he's more suburban, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't really rock, rock with those. It's Baltimore, Baltimore. Uh, yeah. So with, with the work that you're doing, um, 
what's a memorable response that comes to mind? Cause it's, it's been, it's been what, 15 years or what have you, what's a memorable response that like pops up? You're like, yeah, that went over really well. Yeah. I mean, well, thank you for that. That's a great question. Cause yeah, this has been a long ass time that we've been doing this. We're coming up. So th- this upcoming February will be, yeah, it'll be officially 15 years. Um, and nope, actually we're on 15 now. So it'll be 16 years. We, um, in 2009, actually it was, it might've been 2008, like in early on, we, we started off at the creative Alliance, um, which is on the East side of Baltimore and it seats like a little under 200. And, um, and we were selling out all the shows. We were so like grateful. Let me back up further. Our first show, we weren't sure how it was going to go. And, um, so we, we went with the theme failure just in case it was a shit show. Then we could have like called it like preemptively. Um, it wasn't, it sold out. And then every show after that sold out. Um, we, we just like, we hit, uh, on this recipe at a time when I think people were just really craving the intimacy of hearing a true personal story told on stage, sure. simply that. And, um, this was before really Ted talks. It was, you know, before it was, it was right before the tipping point for this kind of stuff. I don't know if that's the right way of saying, it, but anyway, so we, in 2008, we, we were asked to do a show at the Meyerhof, um, which, which like seats like 10 times what creative Alliance, um, and does. And so we, we did, um, we, we had, um, we had close to 1500 people attend, um, the West Siders, which is a marching band, um, that is beloved. They opened up like, and, and went through all of the aisles of the Meyerhof. And, um, we, we had this beautiful show, we had beautiful music, um, at the time I can say now, like I was young and I, I looked great, you know, like, and that, like when you look back at that shit, you're like, holy shit, that was amazing. But like, we were also like young moms. I, I work full time for the school system. Laura is a writer. Like we, we went before the pandemic, we went at such a pace for so long that it's only been this, like this time, this year that I've been able to be like, fuck, we did a lot and it went so fast and I'm so grateful for it all. But like, boy, at the time, did I not realize how grateful I should be for it all? You know, that's that's wonderful. I think that answers you. (laughs) That's wonderful. Like I, I, I'm just like, you know, I'm in awe of it. Cause I'm like, all right, West side was coming down to aisle. That's, that's, that's a dope setup. Cause it was amazing. And they had the youngest, I remember we, their bus came and we were all in the green room with a fucking Meyerhoff. Like it's like this beautiful, it's like, you know, where famous, you know, comedians and opera singers and classical. So like the green room's beautiful. And there's all the West siders, like the oldest being like in their sixties and the youngest was two. And they were all in the matching fucking beautiful uniform. It was amazing. Oh, it was a holiday show. So everyone was like decked out for Christmas. It was, or holidays. It was, it was amazing. 
I, yeah. I've had very, very low rent versions of those memorable responses. And I, I want to say I did something similar in uh, one of the shows uh, that we, we did because we've started to kind of branch off and do more of the live live pods and recording them and all of that stuff and definitely podcast festivals and things of that sort. But um, we, we did awesome. a lot of posters and stuff for the 10th anniversary show. And I was like, come watch us bomb. And I, <laughs> And, and they were like, you're not going to bomb. You can't like you're, you're guys like we're not. And just going down a bit. But the one memorable response I have, I'm very corny and I like stuff that happened in 1985 because that's the year I was born. And Oh my God, you're a baby. <laughs> I don't feel like it. Uh, and I like Rocky uh, four a lot. Right. So was that the one with, that was the Russian? Yes. Was that the real okay. okay. Rocky stop communism or whatever. And yeah. uh, so I literally had this trivia thing and my, my partner, she, we had recently watched scanners. So I was like, yeah, we're going to do this the Revic way. And she was like scanners. And like we were doing trivia for like shirts and stickers and all of this stuff. And I was like, there's no easy way out. There's no shortcut at home. And then the music kicked in and people were singing along. That was what I was Aww. looking for. And Aww. it was like a few weeks before Christmas. So it just had like the vibe I was looking for. Those are the things I kind of live for in this medium. Oh, that's a great memory. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> totally. <Bob. laughs> um, so in, in doing something like this, that gets like personal and it gets to just the heartbeat of the city, really, um, has rejection ever affected that creative pursuit? You know, um, so that's a great question. I think I, I would say we don't, we, it's an interesting thing because as producers, we control and, you know, directors, we're, we're kind of, it's only the two of us. So we're at the helm. We get to control a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so that we, we don't get rejected too often in that, you know, we're going for the folks that we, we really think might have an interesting story. When people reach out to us, we get to kind of vet them. Um, that said, we get a lot of um, very nice emails and then we get some mean <laughs> fucking emails. And I have made the, the fatal error of reading the comments on iTunes of our podcast review, which for the most part are very positive, but then the few shitty ones, which there definitely are have like, they just like live rent free in my brain. And that's like the work I got to do to be like, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Like, but boy, doesn't that like mm -hmm. those little, like, but from a person who has no idea who I am, they don't know what I look like. You know, they've just heard the podcast and their shitty mean spirit I run, <laughs> feedback. Yeah. It, like it takes up all the space. It, it, yeah. I run into it all the time and people like, like even, even in this, not, not like it, it's, it's shitty, but I do get the, the key, the keystroke tough guys or whatever. And like people are always surprised when they see me in person because I'm like six, four, 300 pounds. They're like, what are you? And he's like, you're Rob. I was like, yeah. They said, I thought you were short. And I was like, I am not. Like, <laughs> some of the stuff you talked about, some of the things people say to you, they don't say it in person, do they? I was like, no. <laughs> but it's it's really odd because like I, for a while, up again, up until this, I really wasn't getting any like substantive feedback. I would get 
thumbs up. I would get, you know, some shares and things like that. But with, with this particular podcast, um, people are like, yeah, you know, I like this. I really like this. You're, you're doing good work. You're doing this, you're doing that. And, you know, that's, been pretty much it has been a really good you know good reception to it to to what's going on out there but um yeah i've i've seen um in the past it wouldn't be really any positive ones that were substantive but it would be those negative ones that you're like i'm gonna write that down (laughs) it's gonna go on my vision board or what have you just to motivate me (laughs) shit should not go on your vision board (laughs) Aside from your, your, your work, um, with, with Stoop storytelling, what other creative interests or talents do you have? Oh, that's a fun question. Well, so uh, when I'm not doing Stoop, I, I should say this is, it's not creative, but it's what, um, puts the dinner on the table for my family. I worked for Baltimore city public schools as an administrator at North Avenue. Um, and I've been, um, doing that for about 10 years, um, in early childhood special education. Um, and I, I love that work and I love everyone I work with and I'm incredibly grateful to be doing that work and everyone I work with, um, people say shit about city schools and it, man, it makes my blood boil. Cause I've worked in other jurisdictions where, um, they don't work nearly as hard and they don't get nearly as much negative shitty press. Um, so that's, that's one part of my world. I have two kids, um, who I'm very proud of. They're great. Uh, with my husband, Aaron Hankin, who, who is, um, also you know, a podcast guy and a radio guy and, um, our kids are now 13 and 14, and I think that they're not assholes. So I feel somewhat successful in <laughs> uh, in that we have um, we have a, a huge menagerie of animals in our house. So uh, I spend a lot of time taking care of our dog and cats and rabbit, and just making sure that the house doesn't smell like you know an animal farm. And um, I do comedy, but um, I you know I I did uh, oh and you don't know, but maybe I, 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 was, I worked, I lived in New York in my twenties and I studied with the upright citizens brigade theater back when, um, a lot of people who are now very famous were coming up and I am not very famous, but it's a weird feeling to be watching TV kind of always and be like, yeah, I was on a, you know, a troop with this guy or, you know, I went on a date with that guy or, you know, I like, I got real drunk with her and, um, that's a weird phenomenon. And then I do improv in Baltimore. Um, and I'm grateful to be able to do it in a town I love so much. And, and the comedy scene is really thriving, um, in Baltimore, especially I think post pandemic, it's going to be great. Um, when I was coming up, uh, you know, about a decade older than you are before I moved to New York, the art scene, um, there was just not a lot of comedy in Baltimore. It was all like music oriented and it was all very male. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't feel like, um, or music or visual art. Um, I didn't really, I knew I, I, I knew I was creative on some level, but I did not know how to like get that out. So I'm, I'm. I'm pretty psyched that I like somehow happened upon the world of improv comedy when I did. So that's great. Yeah. That's great. Cause those, those skills I think come in handy when, um, 
when, when, when you're, I guess when you're, you're, you're doing certain things, whether you're working with a podcast or whether you're trying to get something across, like if you're able to just be quick and be able to just pivot quickly, I think those are the skills that are needed in, in improv. And, uh, maybe that's why they reached out to me. Like, Hey, yeah. uh, cause <laughs> you should do it. You'd be great. You would be great. <laughs> um, that's serious. I'm very shy. Uh, so that's the perfect person to do it. <laughs> So how, how I'll, I'll take you up on that. How, um, how do you honor being an artist with ties to Baltimore without being tied to that negative reputation that's associated with Baltimore? Cause I just, you know, I actually feel like it's just not true. It's just a, you know, it's simply not true. It's not what Baltimore is about. No, I'm not like, um, I'm not naive. And Baltimore's got some really fucking prop, like big problems, right? Yeah. We've got, structural racism, which has, um, led to, um, uh, you know, generational poverty, which has led to, um, all kinds of, um, pervasive issues that we need to overcome, but we are not the only city in America that has, um, these issues. And, um, we also have like an incredibly, um, uh, proud population of underdogs. Um, I think that our proximity to DC makes it so that we are weirdly more um, proud of our warts and all. Like we we wear our freak flag with pride. Um, and I, you know, when we started Stoop, I think, and I said this at the top, the thing that we knew was that we did not want it to be like DC. We did yeah. not want it to be polished or highly performative or just, um, you know, a certain voice. Like we wanted it to be authentically Baltimore. Like that's, that's, and I think that's why Baltimore has, thank goodness, like had our backs from day one. That's fantastic. And it's important to, to be that because with all of the, had this conversation yesterday um, with a, another guest and we were talking about how often people are leaving and, and so on. And it's almost like you saying, losing um, institutional knowledge in some ways, or at least that idea of talent and, and notoriety. Cause we had a question around like, in terms of who's that, that pop culture person or what have you, that's in a really high, high, high level. And we were both just drawing blanks. It's like, we, we know people, but that's, it's kind of more niche or what have you. And I think there'll be people who have left who you'll find like, you lived in Baltimore for a very long time, but you're a New Yorker, you're Brooklyn or what have you. And it's just like, come on. And I I like that it's Baltimore, 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 and being authentic in that way. That's important. Yeah. Well, and I was really, when I, truth be told, when I left to move to New York in my twenties, I was like, you know, I'm still having to get out of Baltimore, like the, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I lived in New York during September 11th. And I, the reason why I moved back down to Baltimore from New York was because I had one, I met my now husband and, um, and, you know, I was in love and, um, I wanted that relationship to get a lot of attention and two, I didn't feel safe in New York anymore. I wanted comfort. I wanted safety. I wanted what I knew to be like 
home and that was Baltimore. So I am now like having lived someplace else, I have actually a greater appreciation for our, our underdog city. Like, and I don't want to move anywhere else. I'm in that spot where I, I remember, uh, I think the last time that I actually traveled and it was in, it was only to New Jersey because uh, my partner's uh, family is in New Jersey and, uh, and she's, she's from, um, from Brooklyn. And so we are sitting there having a conversation about New York and it's very age and it's very, um, regional. So they're talking about New York and all of this stuff. And all of them are from Jersey. My partner is from Brooklyn. So she's the only one that's from like New York and I'm from Baltimore. And she was like, well, Baltimore is kind of what Brooklyn was before Brooklyn became a Shake Shack. Yeah. And she was like, that's why I live there. And they were like, no, it's not Ask Rob. He's the real person from now. I was like, that's what she says. Like, he's <laughs> right. Like, you know, she lives over there in, in that neck of the woods and does it by choice, you know, wants to be there because could easily go anywhere else. And, you know, when I have those moments of, do I want to stay in Baltimore? Do I want to leave? And so on. And I always look at places that it's almost like how I look at aliens. It's like, is this planet similar to ours? If it, 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 we breathe the same air. So it's like, all right, I'll probably go to do New Orleans. Do they have blue crab? Do they have crab cakes? Oh, they just have that touffe. All right, cool. I'll stay in Baltimore. That's the way I look at it. That's the way I look at it. It's all about food. It's food motivated. So I have two more questions. And okay. um, so if, if you had the opportunity what creative person living or dead would you want to work with and why? Oh, that's a really good question. If I had the opportunity, what creative person would I want to work with? I have, I, you know, who I, I actually know the answer to this, okay. like a hundred percent. Um, and I think it meant it melds my, um, my love of early childhood, my love of theater, my love of comedy, um, and my love of scrappiness. And, um, and it's, um, Jim Henson. Okay. I would yeah. have like loved to have been like a puppeteer or the voice, uh, of a Muppet, like in its heyday, even though I was reading the history of SNL and apparently <laughs> Lauren Michaels had to like in the early days of SNL, uh, there was, there was a Muppet segment and, um, Lauren Michaels had to fire because it just wasn't working, which is so funny. I just, I find that hilarious. Like, this is my brand. What are you saying? <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work out there. Jim. Just such an awkward conversation to fire Jim Henson. Anyway, oh. that's my answer. That's, that's a good one. That's a good one. And it's, that's a unique one. I was just like, Jim, man, I was like, I'll be dead. That's, that's a name that doesn't come up. Cause, uh, I think like, I think Jim Henson was involved in, uh, Ninja Turtles, the 1990s, uh, Ninja Turtles movie. And I believe that's his like puppeteer work or what have you, um, in part of like the costumes uh, specifically uh, master splinter. And that's a review that we did recently. That's why it pops up. Interesting. I did not know that about him. I just, I know him from the, yeah, the Muppet Sesame Street, you know, that kind of thing. So, because eventually, uh, the second movie, Kevin Clash, uh, who was Elmo, was Master Splinter. So it's like oh, he yeah. took over for him. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. He might have passed away yeah. by that point. So, this is the last question I have. Um, and then okay. you can shamelessly plug and all of that good stuff. Cause I like to let people plug, <laughs> plug, plug, plug away. Um, describe. Uh, maybe in these terms, where would you go? What would you eat? And like things like that. Describe an ideal three day weekend in Baltimore. 
Oh, ideal three day weekend in Baltimore. Okay. Well, um, and this is, I'm assuming post pandemic. Yes. I thought you were going to say pandemic and I was like, is that a whole new thing? Oh God, that's so funny. All right. So, all right, here we go. So for, um, I'm going to start like in the morning breakfast. Um, I would definitely go to the blue moon. Um, they have the best hash browns. I have a very funny story about back in the day when it was like the tiny, tiny place just in bells. Um, it was always so crowded. And one time, um, my husband and I were waited on by a waitress who was just bawling the entire time because she was so stressed out. Like, and it was the most awkward, like, uh, romantic breakfast we've ever had like and she just what i loved was her commitment to seeing the shift through <laughs> even though she was falling okay so blue moon that's where we would go the hash browns then, are saltier for some reason oh god yeah <laughs> <laughs> um all right then i would um take a walk around fells and then to through patterson park which i love so much um and then we get some delicious uh, tacos for lunch from um, Highland Town. And then um, would probably hop in the car and maybe go to, um, I'm trying to think of another park. See, it's so hard because of COVID. I'm like, I just, we can't, we can only be inside, outside. The parks That's exist not. anymore. <laughs> Maybe walk around the zoo. I love the zoo. Um, And um, for dinner, um, I'm a big fan of the Helmand. Um, It's where my husband and I actually had our first date on a blind date. So that would be a delicious place to go. And then walk around Mount Vernon at sunset because it's just so beautiful, especially um, Center Square area. Um, And then maybe go to a movie at the Charles and um, cap it off uh, with uh, some cocktails from uh, the club Charles where I used to work in my twenties. Yeah. And then um, maybe if I'm like really like feeling like I don't want to go to bed, like maybe pop into the auto bar, like do some karaoke and then maybe go to the crown. Wow. I've had a really long night. Okay. So then we're going to sleep somewhere. I don't know yeah. where I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm going to sleep. And then the next day, um, I would, uh, maybe go to paper moon cause I'm up in that area for breakfast. And, um, uh, you know what? I might hop back down to the aquarium cause I adore our aquarium. I think it's just such a wondrous place. Um, and then maybe go to Silburn Arboretum as a final kind of just walking around, um, area. That's a, that's a full time. That's, that's packed right there. A lot of a lot. Get, getting <laughs> into culture, getting in a little bit of everything. And, um, that's, that's important because that's kind of the touristy question of saying, Hey, there's stuff here. Check right, it out. There's a lot of stuff there. Oh, you know, I might go to a baseball game. I really love baseball games. Yeah, don't don't remind me. It got canceled today. That's my favorite <laughs> sport, and I'm just like crestfallen. I'm like, ah. Wait, what? Ha- so are they? Wait, they didn't cancel the in the. Wait, what happened? It got rained out today, so it's just like I got to wait oh, another day. Yeah, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, shamelessly plug anything, website with social media, all of that good stuff. And thank you okay, so much for you. coming on. Yeah. Oh my God. This is wonderful rep. So, um, yeah, our website is uh, stoopstorytelling.com and we have, um, we're trying to just dip our toes into the live, um, show situation. So we are planning a show at the Ivy bookstore, um, in an outdoor show. It'll be, um, we're thinking either.
either late May or early June. They have huge grounds in the back of the bookstore where you can um, we could do a really wonderful outdoor show with music and food trucks and things like that. We have um, a podcast that we're really proud of that has been around for a long time that we put a lot of time, effort and energy and love into. And that drops um, every week. And that is um, on iTunes or Spotify or wherever else you can get uh, a podcast. And Stoop Storytelling Series is what we're called. So thank you so much. Um, so I'll do my sign off here. Uh, so for Jessica Hankin from Stoop Storytelling Series, I'm Rob Lee, and there's art in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it. Mm-hmm.